Untitled Beatles podcast. Do you ever get just lost in Q-tip ear cleaning? Like you're just like... Yeah, you know, I get lost in Q-tip's appearance on the Beastie Boys track, Get It Together. (laughs) One, two, one, two, keep it on. Listen to the shit because we keep it till dawn. I mean, everybody's team Paul's Boutique. A lot of people are team Check Your Head. I'm team Ill Communication. Wowee, standing kind of on an island. It's like you being a White Album guy. <laughs> Those are- <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Great. Questlove called us both uh, music snobs in one way or another. Questlove talked a lot of shit. I can't wait to get to Questlove. Like, yeah, yeah, man, I'll have what he's having and then I'll write for an hour. That's great. (laughs) I'll have what she's having. Man, well, all right. Well, so welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. It is, I'm Tony, first of all. That makes me, by default, TJ, and uh, I love living in Revolver. What a wonderful, wonderful way to kind of, we just said Halloween. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for an album, do you think they did it this time of year because of the Abracadabra potential title? Uh, that's right. Is that yeah, a yeah. weird Calderstone tie-in? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I saw a lot of kids dressed as Revolver this year, tricking and treating. I I dress my son as Klaus Vorman. <laughs> well, it's part two of our uh, yeah Revolver Super Deluxe Instant Reactions. Uh, we also had some reactions from you, our, our faithful Untitled Beatles podcast listeners. Shall we share some of these? Yes, our extensive marketing research says integrate what the listeners have to say. That's how you build an audience and then charge the fuckers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, each one of these opinions is uh, 99 cents uh, for you to, to hear them. So get out your pocketbooks. No, we're free. It's all Okay, free. so uh, <laughs> long live George Harrison out there in Australia. She loved it. OMG, the mix is killing it. I freaking love it. Taxman, O-N-G, which is, oh, no, God. Because <laughs> God is a concept. By which? <laughs> no, I, yeah, so she loved it. Uh, more harp out there in Portland. Anthony, this new mix blows the 87 mix out of the water. No weird separation. The vocals have smoother transitions, especially Rigby, and here, there, and everywhere. Susan Shepard, the laughing in And Your Bird Can Sing first version, pleading face emoji, red heart emoji. Star, I love the new mixes. Gotta get you into my life as my favorite mix. The horns are mixed louder, I feel. I didn't like Dr. Robert before the remix, but now I do. Nowhere, Doug, he loved the new She Said, She Said. It's incredible. Compare it to the 2009 mix, and there's no doubt which is the better mix. Matt Meyer, another OMG, loving this deep dive into Revolver. So far, my favorite moment is the harmony on Love You Too, take seven. I guess that's Paul. Wow. Yeah. Could have worked, but I see why they left it out. Look what you got means such a lot to me. Glenn Keenan, why is Yellow Submarine take four before sound effects sped up? It's faster than the normal version with sound effects. I noticed that too. Yeah. In the town where I was born lived a man who sailed to sea and he told a 
his life in the land of submarines. We'll get to that later. We'll answer that later in our deep dive into the notes and the, the big uh, super deluxe package. Now, we also had some hot takes. Star says, I wish they would have included all of John's demo for She Said, She Said. They could have done like a demo sequence. What do you think of that, TJ? Yeah, or had a disc uh, just like the Plastic Ono Band thing that had evolution mixes to give us more of the snippets. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Because I think there's one where he swears. He's like, ah, shit, yeah. or whatever. They left that one out. He said, did he? Oh, that's very nice, isn't he? Hello? Oh, okay. He said, I know what it's like to be dead. I said... I must be out of my head. Bert Scheid, 74. He'll paint any car, any color for $73.99. That's Bert Scheid, 74. I'm Earl Scheib. I'll paint any car for just $99.95. On this known Chicago street. What street was it? On Grand, Grand Avenue. Was Solozzi Edelson where it was on Milwaukee? Where ah. was Solozzi Edelson? Uh, Solozzi Edelson, Chevrolet on York, York and Roosevelt, Roosevelt Roads. Where you always save more money. Oh my God, I need <laughs> in to Elmhurst. trade in my Chicago credentials. He probably hasn't even eaten them, Mr. Submarines. <laughs> Yes, I have. Chicago's original submarine, Mr. Submarine. Well, Bert Scheid, uh, 74. I actually liked quite a few of the mixes, but Paperback Writer, oh boy. So I prodded him on that. What does that mean? He said it was a bit lacking. The new snare sound, which improves other songs on the album, just serves to smooth out the song here. It's weird to say a Beatles song needs to sound raw, but this is one of them. I was texting with my friend Greg Norman, who came on with the Twitch and Shout with us a few weeks back. Yeah. My name is Greg Norman. I am here in Studio B of Electrical Audio. And he was saying that some industry folks have been grumbling about some of the new mixes. Apparently, Giles auto-tuned Ringo in Yellow Submarine. No. is That that sounds like an internet myth. I know. I, I don't know. Like I don't hear it. I was going to say, like, I don't have those pitch-perfect ears. You know what I mean? Or are they referring to that little lilt in his voice before the last time they go into the into the last chorus when he's like submarine? Does that sound like auto tune? <laughs> Not to me. I, his voice it sounded clear. It didn't sound like anything had been done to change any of his pitches or anything. No. Okay. I mean, I'm not an audio engineer, but I know that song pretty well. May, maybe I'm wrong. I love being Beatle wrong. <laughs> You're so Beatle wrong. <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, let's talk about the box set itself. It finally came in the, the mail. I did not buy this uh, in the store. I usually like to go out and buy it in the store and all that. What, what about you? 
Uh, I bought b- a bootleg of the box from a guy in a van <laughs> who later gave me a back rub. Oh, oh, I've seen that van. TJ, be careful in there. Waiting for the van to come. Well, man, mine arrived on Saturday in the afternoon, and man, I couldn't wait to open it up. In fact, I made an exclusive Untitled Beatles podcast unboxing audio. Audio unboxing with Tony. Wow, we just arrived. Revolver box set. It's in the box. Let's tear this thing up. Always cut towards yourself. It's a pen and teller joke. Oh, comes in the super duper styro plastic. Good for the environment. All right, here we go. Unveiling. Ooh, there it is. Beatles Revolver Super Deluxe 4LP Edition. Made in the Czech Republic. Interesting. All right, let's tear this puppy up. Ooh. Audio unboxing. Wow. Wow. What did you think of that audio, TJ? Uh, I mean, as far as an audio of an unboxing, it's the only one I've ever heard. <laughs> it was so good. The cellophane. <laughs> it was the great. The cardboard. <laughs> you, unboxing. You, you've developed Beatles ASMR. Is yeah. What you've done. Yes. It's a fab ASMR, which I think we did that once I think before. we do have that. <laughs> <laughs> No, all right. So getting to the, I love this thing, man. I love it. I, I went with the LP version. You did too, right? I did. Oh man, I dig this, man. So it's like it's you get to see the full Klaus Vorman artwork, you know. So it doesn't say Revolver or have the Parlophone logo in black. However, did you notice this, TJ? Did you look at it in the light? It's embossed in there. It is embossed in there. Yep. Isn't that cool, man? That's a little. That was a little fun thing that happened while I was sitting down listening to it, studying the. It hit the light in the right way, and I thought that was really cool. Mine is also embossed and numbered. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at the white album. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you dummy. <laughs> I'm beetle wrong because I'm a beetle dummy. <laughs> Hi there. There he goes, TJ the beetle dummy. <laughs> At any rate, the box is beautiful. It's the coolest of everything I'm going to say about this. I'll save time and say packaging, book, content. It's the best Beatles box. I agree, man. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. I love the White Album one, too, because the White Album book was also so wonderful. Let it be wonderful. They're all wonderful. They're all great. They're all great. This is the best. I will say this. Different band, the Who Sell Out had a big deluxe that came out a couple years ago. And that one came with all these great little extras. So things like uh, posters, you get like two posters, you get a bumper sticker, you got these like business cards and stuff like like cool ephemera like that. Uh, I would say like if they wanted to step it up to that degree, I'd, I'd be into that too, man. Which Who album was this? The Who Sell Out. Hi, this is Pete Townsend The Who. I'd like to tell you about some commercials. We're doing commercials for all kinds of products, and you'll hear a lot of them on our new album, which is called The Who Sell Out. Right. 
and uh, so McCartney, probably the solo McCartney album, most similar to that album, the Best Buy edition of the Pipes of Peace archive edition came with a bonus 45 of So Bad. <laughs> well, there you go. Best Buy. <laughs> Head to your nearest Best Buy. You know where that started? Best Buy, Minnesota. That's where that started. Famous town, Best Buy, Minnesota. Well, it's so Yeah, I totally agree, man. So the art direction, that was Darren Evans, man. So thank you, Darren Evans. This is a quality product. Yeah, gorgeous. Uh, yeah, so there's uh, if you get the LPs, there's the stereo LP, the mono LP, and then two LPs of the outtakes, the sessions, they call it. And they're all on like 180-gram vinyl. And then you also get this 45, which is great. It's an EP, they call it. So I, it's... I already put mine on Discogs for $2.95. I'm going to make such a profit off of this. <laughs> Good for you. See, entrepreneur. He's not a Beatle dummy after all. I'm the math guy. He's a Beatle smarty. He's going to go into space. Please. <laughs> Not you, TJ. Uh, I love the weight on this 45 record. Isn't it great? It's rare that you get a 45 this heavy. Oh, because mine, the B-side, is a cover of the band's The Weight. <laughs> oh. oh, The that's one why. that's got Ringo playing drums from 91 with LeVon Helm <laughs> taking yeah. the lead. Peter Jackson's team merged those together seamlessly. Thank you, Peter Jackson's team. Oh, I've always wanted to hear the 89 all-star band on the Parlophone label. Yeah, this 45 <laughs> is gorgeous. I think it's pretty close. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a little heavier, I think, than the weight of the, the 45 box set, which also felt heavier. Yeah, it's heavier than those. I, I love the green Parlophone label because the box set's got the picture sleeves that were done, you know, kind of from around the globe. I love just the basic old school Parlophone label. It's... It's a beautiful box set, Tony. Uh, there, there isn't a lot of ephemera, but what's there? The book is beautifully constructed. Uh, it's the the graphic design is great. Photos I've never seen before. Yeah. I, le I learned a lot. I did too, man. Yeah, let's talk about the book. It's cool. It's it's got this stark white cover, and then again, similar to the box set cover, if you put it in a certain light, you see in the corners, there's uh, the Klaus Vorman drawings of just the the hair. Yeah which is pretty cool. Little tufts of beetle hair snipped off. <laughs> uh, Tony, if you hold the back cover up to the light, mm. you see just Klaus Vorman's uh, poster of Ringo covering up the Pete Best poster from <laughs> Anthology One. <laughs> In the corner. Wow, that's great. That's great. Inside joke like that. <laughs> yeah, it says uh, the Beatles and then huge... It says revolver. Now let's let's take a trip now to Font Lover's Corner. What is that font? Welcome to Font Lover's Corner. Today's font in question. Impact. A sans serif typeface in the industrial or grotesque style designed by Jeffrey Lee in 1965. Its thick strokes, compressed letter spacing, and minimal interior counterform are especially aimed to have, quote, an impact. In the 2010s, it gained popularity for its use in internet memes. Thank you for visiting Font Lover's Corner. Fonts, fonts, love those fonts. TJ, this is the meme font. Revolver is the meme font. 
I never thought of that. You're totally right. <laughs> Revolver invented the meme font. There's got to be someone's got to mock up a photo of like of John walking with Cynthia and turning his head and staring at Yoko. <laughs> Is that how the joke works? I think so. <laughs> that. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, you open it up, you get a you get a forward from Paul. I love his understated overview. All in all, not a bad album. <laughs> it's so casual. It's he I, Paul's thing. He gets God bless him. But Paul has become, by virtue of John's tragic death so many years ago, Paul is the spokesperson. Sometimes Ringo's included. There isn't like a separate Ringo forward in this. But it's really mm, yeah. Paul's perspective with a lot of mention of John. But, you know, Paul gets an interesting kind of Paul-type dig at George when he writes, Love you too, and I want to tell you, Mark George's steady advance as a songwriter, which would later lead to some great classics. Like, <laughs> and that's kind of Paul, like, dizzy George a bit. And the, the first thing I thought is, like, what, is I Need You not a classic, Paul? Come on. Like, he had classics well before these classics. Yeah, not to Paul, I guess. Not to Paul. These are not classic George songs, according to Paul. And which is crazy because they are to me. And Paul talks about Taxman as part of the opening. Um, uh, he writes, I, I came up with a song for Ringo talking Yellow Submarine. Right. Like he's instantly, it's almost like, don't believe what you hear on the box. <laughs> it's all me. If you don't listen, this is me. <laughs> well, to his defense, he's the one that came up with Yellow Submarine. Yellow Submarine itself was Paul. And John came up with the the verse part, which had nothing to do with a submarine. Yes, uh, totally true. And still Paul being very Paul. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. It was great. It's sold. It's the bloody beat. The revolver. Shut up. We get an intro from Giles. I always want to say Giles. Three, four. Three, four. We get an intro from Giles, who credits, let's credit the, per we always, we're, that. We get an intro from, G Duh, you're the dumb guy too now. Beetle dumb. Hi there. So we get an intro from Giles, and he's going to credit Emile De La Rey, who is the head of the audio team, Peter Jackson's yes. audio team, that demixed this whole thing and made this reissue quite possible. Uh, everyone gives credit to Peter Jackson, but it's Peter Jackson's team. Peter Jackson didn't come up with this stuff. It was... Emile de la Rey there in uh, New Zealand. Hey, production nerd, all anyone cares about is the director. The rest of you all is trash. <laughs> Hot, flaming, <laughs> trash. 0. 0.13 seconds on the credits. Thanks, Emile. <laughs> Emile de la Rey. <laughs> oh, who did all that work on the Emile de la Rey? <laughs> Peter Jackson, give him all the credit. <laughs> You know what? Another thing I think is really funny is Paul and Giles slash Giles mm. both use the same word on consecutive pages to describe George Martin. They both call him inimitable. Oh, yes. That word is on two pages in a row <laughs> to describe George Martin. Yeah, well, he is inimitable. There's never been another one, although he his son is very, very much like him. Just even in his voice, you can hear George in there. Yeah, it's really sweet. And and it lends such uh, the people who question Giles Martin's motives 
are idiots because this is all approved by Paul and Ringo and also Yoko and Olivia. If the families and the living ones didn't love what Giles Martin and Sam O'Kell were doing, they wouldn't let this get out. So everyone thinking like, well, he's betraying his father's legacy. No, I'll bet George Martin to be one of the first to say good on you for helping to keep this music alive and thriving. Are there people saying that? Are people like getting oh, up Giles's whatever there, jumper? There's a getting up his jumper right up in his dumper. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of dumb fan anger I've read. I'm not calling the <laughs> I'm not calling the people dumb. It just misplaced. Like you don't need to like this. I personally, I went back and listened to. The, I didn't listen to the original '87, but I went back and listened to the '09 again as part of my listening. Kind of just being in a revolver weekend, and um. You know, yeah, the original sounds incredible and lovely, but I was reminded what I said in the earlier episode, Tony. Like, yeah, I think I only want to hear for no one in here, there, and everywhere from this mix at this point. Doesn't mean I hate the original. The original's incredible, but there's something about this. I, I don't begrudge what Giles is doing. If you don't like it, don't listen to it. It's wonderful to have the option. Your day breaks, your mind aches. There will be times when all the things she said will fill your head. Forget her, and in her eyes you see nothing. No sign of love behind the tears, cried for no one. A love that should have lasted years. Hey man, what'd you think of Quest Love's? Uh, he he wrote a thing called Evolver. It was his kind of personal bio on discovering the Beatles. I thought it was pretty cool, man. Yeah, uh, help me with this. Yeah. I, I think many things can be true. Questlove is awesome. <laughs> the essay was awesome yeah. and interesting and funny and personal. And it was a little heavy handed in terms of what it was trying to say and how it was trying to say it. And again, all love to Questlove. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's his perspective on discovering the Beatles backwards. Like he heard the samples first, then covers, and then eventually he heard the real thing towards the end. Now, TJ, are you just taking umbrage with his uh, his angle on the Capitol Record label? How come Questlove hates Capitol Records? <laughs> the quote, if ever there was a logo that reeked of old people, it was Capitol <laughs> Records. That black label surrounded by a rainbow ring felt like part of the past and not part of the past that I wanted for myself. Hey, oh, that's our logo. <laughs> At the moment, maybe we should have a, uh, a logo for season three, whenever that is, that's Questlove approved. Yeah, because uh, uh, I'll bet Questlove loved the 1988 final vinyl that C1 lay, but we can do the small purple capital <laughs> just for Questlove. And here's the thing. I, I do love that Questlove's first acceptance came from the aforementioned Paul's Boutique, which yeah. had had the, the Grand Royal. Uh, yeah, they had the Grand Royal logo, but the capital uh, label. I've got a not an original pressing, but I've got an old pressing of it. That's awesome. Which is which is uh, really fun. Uh, yeah, there's a couple great things about the Questlove thing. Um, Questlove loves the amp hiss in Taxman. There yeah. should have been in parentheses, not included on remix <laughs> of album. There were other people that were like upset that the hiss wasn't there. I didn't miss it, but hey, man, whatever. Uh, I missed it when I when I went back to the 09 revolver. Yeah, I, I'm I, I missed it. 
A couple other things here. Uh, uh, he mentions Fuck the Police, which is the first time that's been mentioned in the lighter notes of a Beatles release. Yeah, that's what he was talking about. Taxman was basically saying Fuck the Police. Right. <laughs> I wrote, Angry Chicago Guy has officially canceled the Beatles. <laughs> I, I took an original butcher cover to the riot on January the 6th. my god he brings up eddie murphy's cover of good day sunshine which i'd never heard before and sought out and it's so great i need to First time Rockwell's been mentioned in the liner notes of a Beatles release, <laughs> which is just great. Who, who knew yeah. Rockwell had a song apparently called Obscene Phone Call? Love also kind of as a compliment to Eleanor Rigby writes that some usually the second song on an album, the two hole as we call it. Yeah. The second song is kind of often filler. And I went back and I'm proud of myself from memory and I'm patting myself on the back. I didn't give myself a time limit. I came up with all the second songs, uh, including past masters and jotted them down. I swear on my life I did it from memory. The two hole are Misery, All I Gotta Do, I Should Have Known Better, I'm a Loser, The Night Before, Norwegian Wood, Eleanor Rigby, With a Little Help From My Friends, Fool on the Hill, Does That Count? That wasn't an album originally, Dear Prudence, Only a Northern Song, Something, Dig a Pony, From Me to You and We Can Work It Out are all the two songs in every Beatles album. Those are 98% first ballot hall of fame classics that's what the beatles did every song on every album it's a high percentage for sure yeah and then kevin howlett who's been doing a lot of the uh, the work lately on, on on these reissues with regards to uh, articles and prose etc the road to revolver our friend maureen cleave she gets name checked quite often in this and that's where we also learned that love you too was maybe structured off of Ravi Shankar's uh, Dune Coffee from in London. I think that's how you say it, Dune Coffee. I, I, I had a, an espresso from there just the other day at Dune Coffee. <laughs> I like how Kevin Howlett writes. I got so used to the Lewis and style for so long. You know, that's the thing about recording sessions when that's the first thing you read and then hit the excerpted Lewis and liner notes from past masters one and two, or I think the first Lewis and I read, I think I've read those before I read recording sessions. Me too. Howlett does a great job with all of this stuff. But yeah, getting into each song, including Paperback Writer and Rain, the detail, uh, I mean, there's wonderful stuff in here.
love looking at the gear. Okay, so you know we see their their Vox amps, the seven one twenties, but also there's some Fender Showmans in there too, and we, you see the Fender logos lurking in the background. George playing the bass. Yeah, that's a Burns New Sonic bass, I think from '64. Uh, I saw it retailing actually on Reverb for about thirteen hundred bucks, which is not bad for a vintage vintage guitar. Uh, there's also George holding drumsticks. You know, presumably to hit. I, I saw a tambourine on a cymbal stand, so I, I, like, I never thought of that. I'm always picturing them whacking the tambourine on their hand or whatever, like Tracy from the Partridge Family. But they had it on a stick, on a on a stand, not a stick, and hit it with a stick. Or was it on a stick and they hit it with a stand? We'll never know. <laughs> And I love that picture of Paul in his groovy shades. Uh, he's got the Rickenbacker yeah. in his lap, and he's studying the Aftermath Rolling Stones cover. It's such... I've seen that photo before, but it's something that's so striking the way it's presented here. It's all, it's a smallish photo. I'd love to yeah. see a, a full uh, a full page of that. But yeah, the, the photo design... This is also a period I just love. Totally. A and, you know, to think they went on tour, basically, right after this was all wrapped up and how it all changed. Like the next night. The, the next night, do you think there was any talk to throwing in um, maybe Budokan into this as like a super, super... I mean, because it, even though it's not part of the story, it is part of the story to have that pristine broadcast for television footage of multiple shows. Yeah. That's that was... ne never been formally released. Well, that's a how about how about this? How about a pitch to Calderstone or whoever's doing all this stuff? How about a video package of all the '66 stuff you've got? So we get the two Budokan shows, whatever you've got, a candlestick. Uh, there's you know there's little grainy footage of Cincinnati. There's all the uh, the Munich shows. Munich, I think. yes, that's '66. Yeah. Next lead is unser letzte letzte lead. So then we get track by track information all throughout. Uh, I love it. I love this stuff. We get, you know, Ken Townsend's very technical explanation of ADT involving cap stands, kilocycles, and milliseconds. Also, some love for the Fairchild 660 limiter for all you <laughs> recording goofs out there. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a huge part of the sound of Revolver. That's why Ringo's drums sound the way they do. It's with these limiters, they're taking the signal and they're boosting it to such a degree where they can get it louder and cut off the high ends and the low ends. They can limit the, the tops so that it doesn't uh, break your speakers, etc., but still give you the core of the sound. Yeah, that's something they really had to work on to get the bass sound they were looking for that they felt like the American records they love so much had, the Motown and Stack stuff. Totally. And, you know, you mentioned ADT, and, you know, everybody talks about, like, the coal economy changing and other jobs that are kind of the print industry. Ever mm. since companies like Ring and other internet kind of monitor doorbells have come around, ADT's really struggling. <laughs> Thank you for that PSA for ADT. 
scored by ELO. <laughs> if you like your security systems, <laughs> oh man. Well, it's also cool. Yeah. So track by track, it seems like you get either like a lyric fragment, you know, like written down lyrics or like a tracking sheet. There's always, and the tape box with each and every track. So you get to see, yeah, what's written on the damn tape boxes, which is, if you're into this shit, you, you're into it. <laughs> I am. Yeah, it's like a little bit of the rock and roll. I mean, I would still, you have to go to museums. I never want museums to go away, but having all these beautifully detailed artifacts help tell the story in such a way that I you never thought was imaginable. I mean, there was a great BBC book about a decade ago. Mm. I forgot who wrote that BBC book um, that just detailed all of the sessions. It's called The Beatles BBC Archives 1962 to 1970 by Kevin Howlett. Thank you, P3Z Nuts. <laughs> Thank you, P3Z Nuts. I should know this. Wait, what, what does P3Z Nuts think of the new revolver? I think they should have included the demo for Daydream Believer. Controversial. <laughs> See on the Steve Hoffman <laughs> website, which I like. I've never commented, but I do browse Steve Hoffman a lot. You're a too. lurker. You're a Steve Hoffman lurker. <laughs> I'm a longtime Beatles sniffer and a slightly less longtime Hoffman lurker. <laughs> Hoffman Lurker, nice to meet you. Yeah, but it's wonderful seeing so many of the lyrics, and a lot of the stories here are told in detail that I might have known the story, but I didn't know with the same level of specificity. I should say a lot of this is not, excuse me, not a lot of this is covered, but there's a lot of more great information uh, in the recent Bruce Spicer book as well. I don't want to lose sight oh, of yeah. that. That's important for every collection detailing a similar era, going back to Rubber Soul through Yesterday and Today and Revolver. The Beatles' Rubber Soul to Revolver by Bruce Spicer In stores now. If you paid full price, you didn't buy it at Crown Books. Did you see this, these aborted lyrics for Taxman? Uh, aborted lyrics. Abort your lyrics while you still can, America. <laughs> you know, uh, you can't abort your lyrics in most Republican-run states. <laughs> you can't, yeah. But those lyrics are, uh, You may work hard trying to get some bread. You won't make out before you're dead. And I see why this is probably when he reached out to John. He had that lyric and he's like, ah, there's some, that's a little naff about that. John, help me. And of course, John had been dead for 11 years when, <laughs> as is mentioned in the book, George changed the lyrics for the 91 tour <laughs> with references to, there's nothing about Mr. Bush in this. There is, if you go further. Oh, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. You're totally right. It does matter. <laughs> but what are the other two? Uh, uh, John, uh, Prime Minister John Major and leader of the opposition, Neil Canuck, which go, Neil Canuck. <laughs> you can't say that anymore. <laughs> yeah, my, my buddy's a real Neil Canuck, if you know what I mean. I wouldn't trust him. Canuck is a generally informal term for a Canadian. Canadians are usually surprised to hear that outside of Canada, Canuck is sometimes used as a term of disparagement and often specifically applied to French Canadians. Man, did you see this about Eleanor Rigby? That the cold cream that Paul had in mind was <laughs> Nivea. Nivea? The oft-referenced Nivea here on the Untitled Beatles podcast. I thought of you. <laughs> Thank you. And I I think of you when I'm strolling by and see a tub of Jergens. Waits at the window, wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Nivea! Whatever skin you're in.
you name checked this guy last week. Bernard Herman was mentioned, the psycho composer, Alfred Hitchcock's yeah. psycho. Uh, so he's mentioned in this book. And the, the musical term for that, that, that string, that spiky strings, marcato. just like there's fun little facts about each song like i'm only sleeping take two's an e flat minor but then take five they go up to e minor but then slow it down so i think in playback it goes down half a step yeah uh it's been confirmed that george does in fact play sitar and no one else on love you too there's always been speculation that it would be like studio cats but the only studio guy there was anil bagwat and he played the tabla which is percussion and that's Paul on Tambura. I had no idea Paul was involved with this so much either. Feeling? Ow. Well, ow. Well, there's so much information and a lot of I love there's a note in the book, I think in Kevin Howlett's prologue, about how some of the information you previously knew is is different than what we previously knew. Yeah. It wasn't written like that because there's an <laughs> editor involved, an actual writer who can put a uh, coherent sentence together. <laughs> what do you think of this quote from uh, Laurie Mason from The Overlanders? They had a hit number one with their cover of Michelle. I need to, I need to, I need to I need to make you see Oh, what you mean to me Till I do, I'm hoping you will know what I mean. I love you. And then uh, when Revolver came out, they were hoping to snatch one of the album tracks to record as a single, maybe get a, you know, they could get a career as covering Beatles songs, getting number ones. There's not one single track worth recording. It's just mediocre. Absolutely useless. Yes, apparently the Overlanders and the Kinks fucking hated Revolver. <laughs> yeah, Ray Davies, yeah. Uh-huh, none too kind. The great Ray, we both love the Kinks. You're more of a Kinks fan than I am, but I I love them. I love the Kinks, and I, I, I found it very interesting that they hadn't had any overlap. Because I want to say they both played the NME Festival in 65, but that doesn't mean they hung out and whatever, you know. Yeah, because my favourite group were the Ventures. I like a group called the Ventures. And, and to me, the Beatles stole the Ventures rhythm sound and uh, put other, their own things on top of it. So, okay, so according to the book, Yellow Submarine, John and Paul shout, full speed ahead, Mr. Bosun. I looked that up. I couldn't find anything about a Mr. Bosun. B-O-S-U-N. There's uh, Counting Crows, Mr. Jones and... Me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. And that's Brian Jones playing what is called the Swanee Whistle. That, that whistle that sounds like a loon that you hear for like a quick bit in there? Yes. I never knew that was Brian Jones doing it. I didn't know that either. I knew he was there and he was took part in the whole session. There were a lot of people there for that fun session, but uh, 
Did yeah. you ever hear the Brian Jones cover of Swanee? How I love you, how I love you, my dear old Swanee. <laughs> or former Bears coach Dave Wanstead, Swanee, how I love Yes. <laughs> I like the Bears a lot. Now let's answer Glenn's question about Ringo's higher pitched vocal in one of those uh, yellow submarine outtakes. That version was recorded at 47.5 kilocycles. And I believe it was then played back at 50 kilocycles. So recorded slow, it plays back faster. And that's why he does all the vocals there sound curiously nearly chipmunk. We all live in a yellow submarine, yellow submarine, yellow submarine. We all live in a yellow submarine. Yellow submarine, yellow submarine. Also, TJ, they addressed the whole Paul walking out during She Said, She Said. Yeah, this is weird. Yeah. Because he's on, we got the tapes. He's on the tapes. We got the tapes. (laughs) He's on the backing track. He's Hmm. on the main track before they do vocals and stuff. But uh, the book mentions that there was a piano overdub written on a recording sheet that got recorded over. So there was a piano part that we will never hear. And I, so this is, let's get into Beatles speculation here. We're getting into fanfic speculation stuff. I'm wondering, because the argument seems to be about the arrangement, I wonder if Paul wanted to take that middle eight part, the when I was a boy part, and turn that into like a prettier thing with a piano and have it be this like B part, like a complete day in the life style B part, you know? But, you know, that would require a lot more time than they had, et cetera. And maybe there was a disagreement and he walked out. And that's when George steps in and helps him, uh, quote, uh, you know, weld that together. The quote is, that was a real weld that George says regarding the uh, the transition from she said, she said into when I was a boy. Well, that's it's in a weird time signature. It's not it's tricky rhythmically. When you hear the instrumental version, man. Yeah, it, it yeah. does sound crazy. You're like, this is a crazy song. So, you know, they mention in Paul talking from that Barry Miles book many years from now, he says he thinks it's one of the old Beatles records he never played on. I love this quote. We had a Barney or something and I said, oh, fuck you. And they said, well, we'll do it. I think George played bass, but that's not what this the notes show. You're doing fine. See, I'll sing the words. One, two, three, four. He counts it in. Yeah, he does count it in. Uh, These guys did so much music together. You know, plus with the drugs and everything else, they can be forgiven for not remembering every detail of every single session. That's where, gentlemen, we've got the tapes is so important because now it provides some context, but you can put things together that previously you had to guess. (laughs) Yeah, it is true. It is true. There should have been more excitement about the tapes. I agree. <laughs> That's right. This is also one that, as we mentioned on the show before, because I love Leonard Bernstein, and uh, he did a um, breakdown of this song, 
And yeah. he's kind of plucking it out on piano. And it's a lovely moment using this song, not Eleanor Rigby, not Yellow Submarine, but using She Said, She Said to talk about how thrilling and vital rock and roll music could be. She said, you don't understand what I said. I said, no, 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 you're wrong. When I was a boy, everything was right. Did you get it? If not, listen again to the Beatles this time. George does play bass on Good Day Sunshine, which is cool, which is maybe that's when that photo was taken when they were doing Good Day Sunshine. Yeah. Playing that new Sonic. And Your Bird Can Sing is a new mix, I learned. The one that, uh, the laughing version is actually a new mix. Uh, they mixed out the non-laughing part to enhance the the laughing bit. So that's where it differs from the version on Anthology 2. And uh, they there's been a bootleg that circulated for a while of the non-laughing version, but even this is a much better and obviously more direct mix. So it's great to have these back to back. And you have anthology too if you really want if you really want to hear the laughing mix with the other vocals thrown in. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I feel like I've heard the laughing version more than enough than I need to from Anthology 2. This is one where I would I would have nixed this one and put in either some kind of a Good Day Sunshine outtake on the LPs, etc. Or more I want to tell you or... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe more of those She Said demos or something. You know, I... I didn't need to hear it twice in a row of the same. It's the same take twice in a row, just two different mixes. I'm with you, Tony, and I agree with you. And then I have another thought, which is Anthology 2 came out 26 years ago. That's so weird. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) 26 years ago. I mean, oh, my God, it's a 25th anniversary of Flaming Pine. There isn't another reissue. (laughs) (laughs) They've got time, TJ. They've got time. Where's the half-speed master? (laughs) The picture disc. Oh, question for Casey Baker. We noticed that, uh, like, uh, there's some lyrics, such as the the lyrics in For No One. Those are courtesy of the Northwestern something or other university. It it mentions Evanston, Illinois, which is where I reside, Tony. It's cool to see my little suburb mentioned in the book. Where you live, and then the alma mater of uh, producer KC. So, Casey, when you went there... Northwestern fights out for Casey. Did you <laughs> did you know about these lyrics? What the hell? No, I didn't know about these lyrics. And frankly, it's a crime that I wasn't made aware of them in four years there. And I'd like some of that outrageous tuition money back, Northwestern. I did know that Northwestern was home to the archives of the composer John Cage which apparently included several original handwritten Beatle lyric sheets that he had gotten from his friend and collaborator, Yoko Ono. Big hat tip to Beatles scholar and podcast icon Robert Rodriguez. He found a fascinating Chicago Tonight segment on the topic back in 2018, and he preserved it on the YouTubes for all of us to enjoy. 
We'll include a link to that in the episode notes. Specifically, the library holds the original lyric sheets for six songs from the 1966 album Revolver. Eleanor Rigby, I'm Only Sleeping, Yellow Submarine, Good Day Sunshine, And Your Bird Can Sing, and For No One, as well as the lyrics for The Word from 1965's Rubber Soul. Northwestern is one of just two libraries in the world which possess handwritten Beatles lyrics. The other is the British Library, the United Kingdom's National Library. Go Wildcats, Purple Pride. I, I... The Pride is in the purple. Yeah, it's cool uh, knowing that, that that's in the Northwestern collection. And as we talked about in our previous episode, I keep listening to Anya Bird Can Sing, the 2022 remix. Now that you've listened a bunch, tell me, am I crazy with my obsession with the snare in the left channel? Is it all you can hear now in the best way? It's all I can hear when I listen. The original, it's so neat. <laughs> Yeah, that and Dr. Robert, I think the snare sounds have just so improved, so improved in the new mixes. Dr. Robert, he's a man you must believe, helping anyone in need. No one can succeed like Dr. Robert. Yeah, you, so you did some A-Bing. How was that? It was interesting. I primarily A-B'd the tracks that were on one Yellow Submarine song track and this remix. So not the original one, but the 2015 one. Okay, gotcha. Um, because 2015 one was remixed, I think, by the same team, I think. But and, I mean, can you imagine what could be done with, like, I want to hold your hand now? I mean, the early stuff remixed... Didn't was not really remixed. They didn't use this technology. They just boosted stuff yeah. and tweaked here and there for the early things. Um, but yeah, I mean, briefly, I, I won't go into all of them. But you know, for example, I listened to four different mixes of Eleanor Rigby <laughs> because I care about this show. I mean, so much, you know. And just to kind of point some things out here, in the original, uh, the original mix put on CD in '87, remastered in '09, the Eleanor Rigby, the first chorus. You've got the L, it's kind of a mistake. It's in the center, and then for Nor, it shifts to the right yes. ear. Eleanor in the Yellow Submarine Song Track remix, it all starts in the center. There's no mistake. Eleanor in 2015, Eleanor's in center, no mistake. The string differentiation in the original 2015 remix is the best that I'd heard to this point. And then in this one, they have Eleanor Rigby in the center, but they keep the stereo mistake of the double L in Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby. The ADT being turned off too late. Yes. Yeah, that's what that is. That's exactly what that is. Um, and it's kept in the 2022 remix, and you can't hear it at all, the 99 or 2015 uh, remixes. That's wild, man. Yeah. Uh, one more I'll give you, the Yellow Submarine. Um, in the 99, uh, the song track remix, Ringo's drums during the sound effects during the final verse and chorus are pretty low. In the 2015 Beatles 1 remix, 
it has the full A Life of Ease in stereo, and the orchestra travels from left to right. That's wild. And Ringo's drums are way louder. And the band begins to play. And in the 2022 version that we just heard, it has the mono full guitar bit like we've talked about. In the time. And the full John Lennon, um, A Life of Ease is in there as well. So it's got a mix of the mono and stereo perfectly in 2022. Those are just a few. Uh, contact me directly at Migs Field. I'll be <laughs> camped out with a Bible and a <laughs> copy of Yellow Submarine telling about the differences in the song track to anyone who will listen. As we live a life of ease, every one of us. Of course, we listened at uh, midnight or as soon as we could when it went streaming. And I listened on earbuds and then I listened in the car. And then when the package arrived on Saturday, I got them out and I listened on vinyl with two speakers. I cranked it up to 50 or whatever. I went mono first. I wanted to go mono first. Yeah, I did mono LP, mono side of single. New stereo LP, new stereo side of single. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, can I ask, did you notice, because I, I could not tell any difference between the 2014 mono and this mono. 2009 CD, 2014 right. vinyl, and this mono. I could tell. I, I did not do a garage band or whatever AB. I didn't do it. But ear-wise, I can't tell any difference in these monos. Could you? No, no, I couldn't tell the difference between the two different mono mixes. I would think that there's not too much difference at all. So sell one of them back. <laughs> Give it away. I'm listing my yeah. original mono on Discogs for two ninety five. <laughs> I'll pay that for just... shipping. I dug it, though. So I, I enjoyed the mono experience with speakers and all that. I thought that in the earbuds, it was diminished from the 2022 stereo mixes. I preferred those in the buds, which is a stupid sense to say, but here we go. Yeah, man. Uh, cans. <laughs> in the cans. Let's do that. I, I just wonder, was it mastered louder, you know, than the original? Because they, they do use different mastering people for vinyl versus digital. Yeah, and I really think that the mono version of Paperback Rider Rain is hard to beat, and I don't think the new mix beat it. Yes and yes. Mono is how those songs should be forever heard. I, I lied on last week's episode, Department of Corrections. Mm. Uh, there was a remix of Rain in the video disc of Beatles 1 in 2015. But <laughs> you, you liar. But you liar. <laughs> you beetle liar. <laughs> you beetle oaf. You <laughs> beetle dummy. <laughs> Kill the beast. Hi there. Look, there he goes, that fucking beetle liar. He's making up his beetle facts. But yeah, so to have a remix of Rain is great. The remix of Paperback Writer in 2015 was also really good. I did not AB the recent remix of the 2015. But mono is the best way to hear that, whether it's on the 45, whether it's uh, digitally, yes to that single and mono, 100%. And then I would say for the stereo mixes on vinyl... 
that I noticed more of the nuancey things when I was listening up close with the earbuds uh, streaming, believe it or not. And I think that's just because of the nature of that medium. That said, I still think she said, she said, that's probably my favorite new mix in speakers, but not in earbuds. It's a very different experience for me. Uh, in earbuds, I hear that additional new guitar line so loud. Yeah. But it, in speakers, it's mixed in really well. And I feel like I hear the clarity of that song a lot more in these new mixes. This and And Your Bird Can Sing are my favorites yeah, on LP New Mix. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the sessions, the double disc sessions. So it originally features the original rejected cover art, this photo collage. Which is awesome. I love this thing, yeah. It was right by Robert Freeman. Uh, he, he did the collage, and maybe he took many of the pictures, if not all of them, I'm not sure. So there's a hole in the center. It's, I, was it supposed to be a picture disc, you think? In 66? I don't... Did they have those? I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> The first modern rock picture disc was a psychedelic compilation album released in 1969. But picture discs have been around since the 1920s. But there's a hole in it. Like, that was supposed to be the idea. Because when it was spinning, it's supposed to create some sort of optical illusion. Thankfully, TJ, there is a YouTube that demonstrates this. And uh, if you watch it, they spin it at 33 and a third... And there's like a slight swirl, you know? And then when it goes up to 45, it spins faster, obviously. And you see this cluster of faces that starts to resemble like a leaf. Ooh. A sweet leaf, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what's, what's funny, Tony? <laughs> the best way to watch a YouTube video is to get really baked on Sweet Leaf, watch the video on mute, and put on George Harrison's 33 and a third. <laughs> yeah, man. Dorothy and the Lion make out. It's totally cool, man. Right, right when they get to Cracker Box Palace, the house lands on the witch. <laughs> Who killed the witch of the East? We've been expecting you. And then you'll notice that the back cover for the sessions thing, it's different. It's the same session, obviously, but yeah. it's a Robert Whitaker photo. It's different. So Ringo's looking down and George is holding one of those uh, lighting gels that they uh, were holding over their faces and stuff. It's when they introduce paperback writer and rain to Ed Sullivan, right? Yeah. Is that what that is? Yeah. I think it's from that same day, same session, all that. Yeah. You know... Tony, one thing we didn't mention about the albums as well, they have the original back cover, which is feels a little more matted and not quite as glossy. The American covers, certainly the later pressings were a little more glossy, but I love the old school kind of back cover, the feel and the touch they replicated. It's great. to, And this, again, begs the question of, I mean, I, look, I work my ass off. I work very, very, very hard. I'm lucky that I can afford something like this. There's a lot of Beatle fans who can't afford, like, 
my point is holding this double album in my hands there's no even if you want to make it $40 Tony there's no reason this or like each your demos on vinyl shouldn't be available on vinyl outside of the box sets I think you're doing a lot of Beatle fans a disservice by not having this available as standalones or at least highlights or some of it I'm with you man yeah that's a good idea yeah it's cool, the labels, though, on the Sessions record. Yeah, like test pressings. Test pressings, like Parlophone test pressings. And it says not for sale on there. So don't, if an FBI guy or Interpol comes knocking at your door, do not let them see <laughs> those discs. Quick, hide it. Hide the new revolver. <laughs> yeah. What, my Ju- gun? <laughs> Jump into a laundry hamper. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, honey, pretend you're laundry. Like... <laughs> Lay, lay in the floor, but get a couple streaks on you. That's not what I mean. What is they call him the streak? Well, I think these sessions are great. Uh, do I need them on vinyl? Probably not. But I think they sound great on vinyl. Like, I love hearing the slowed down count-ins on Rain. One, two, three, and I'm Only Sleeping. One, two, three, four. It's funny, the first box sets, whether it's solo or whether it's group, never quite get it right. Like, you could argue the worst McCartney archive box set was banned on the run Hmm. because the rest of them, the books were way bigger and the memorabilia, there was way more. And the Sgt. Pepper box set, which was beautifully done, you know, it's only one bonus record with with, uh, session tracks and such. I think, right? It's a, there's no bonus, it's like a double album and a gatefold well, it comes with a book and all that. If you got the one I got at the Beatle Fest, it does. I don't think the vinyl corresponds fully to the bonus CD materials. What I'm saying, yes, it's yes. Only the... recently have they begun to replicate exactly the the outtakes on CD on vinyl. I understand. Yes, yes, yeah. And I would say that the Abbey Road box set could have used a nice big book like we get in White Album, Sergeant Pepper, yeah. and here. It's a thin little box. And that record is too polished. Least favorite. Moving on. Yeah. Well, you you put it below that Frank Ifield thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Frank Ifield over Abbey Road. Deal with it. <laughs> Hot take Tony Hot strikes take. again. <laughs> take it, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, let's good. talk about Klaus's graphic novel, Birth of an Icon Revolver. We get an excerpt of this thing. It's so great. When was that made? I don't know. I have no idea. I couldn't idea. tell. I feel like, well, well, because John Lennon is drawn at times looking like 70s John Lennon. I think the first panel even, he looks, you know, he's wearing his granny glasses, which he hasn't, he hasn't really started wearing the full-on prescription granny glasses here yet. A lot of, lot of pictures of them in sunglasses. This is like their sunglasses yeah. <laughs> in the studio period. Well, this is the original Kevin Harrington was Corey Hart. And Corey <laughs> Hart would often walk in the studio wearing his sunglasses at night. Ringo would go, I noticed you wear your sunglasses in a hard day's night. And Corey only heard one part of it and then had a hit. <laughs> Tighten that up. Oh, <laughs> Well, I like how lo-fi it is. It looked like there it looks like high school art project. They look very realistic, but then they're they're surrounded by this kind of like shoddy lettering, you know. And George Martin's in cursive and you can see eraser marks in there. Like I like that. I like that. It's wonderful and it's really funny. 
I, I mean, how do I put this? Nobody forgets Klaus Vormann, but in the grand scheme of like fifth Beatles and important people, he gets buried in the list and his relationship with all of them, both in the earliest days and up, up through the seventies. Uh, and to this day that he's still kind of involved with these reissues and such, it's really fucking incredible to see. He's a good guy, man. He's a good guy. And again, I love yeah, him. yeah. If you hear him on the the Mark Caro's uh, popcast, he's yes, a, he's a great guy. He's really fun and uh, yes, jolly. He's a jolly man. You know, Tony, you may know I'm a bit of a Beatles detective. <laughs> you're, you're a sleuth. You're a fab sleuth. Cue the fab noir music <laughs> someone other than me has got to create. <laughs> well, my box set came, and I mentioned I was solo parenting for the weekend last time we recorded. I mean, Tony, everybody's working for the weekend. I had the box set. It came late Friday. I didn't really have a chance Ooh. to listen to it till Halloween uh, morning. But when I opened it up... The first thing I see on the hype sticker, Super Deluxe 5 CD Edition is what it says in the sticker. Weird. Now, the box feels heavy. The box that came in said vinyl. And, of course, the back cover of the box set had side one, side two, etc. But I wasn't going to open it. I'm like, fuck, what do I do? I mean, if I open it, can I return it? I don't want the CDs of this. It was expensive. I want the vinyl. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I opened it, and it was the vinyl, but apparently the wrong sticker was put on it. So I'm going to resell this $200 box set. Check it out if you're on my Discogs page. $296. Extra, oh. extra penny because of the sticker. It's a markup. <laughs> I know. It's, I call it a loss leader. <laughs> Well, in conclusion, I think these mixes sound great. I think the packaging is great. I think all the prose is great. Minor bickers. Hold on. Beetle Karen alert. Care. Oh, Karen. <laughs> I think he said carrot, like uh, Amy Carrot's bonkers, the Supreme Court justice. Uh, <laughs> have, uh, have you ever seen Beetle Carrot Top? <laughs> <laughs> it's magic alex right that's beetle carrot top look at this prop i made it's a it's a toilet with a radio in it flush <laughs> oldies 104 point flush let's squirt the electronic girls <laughs> with my magic squirt wand all the electronic people and all the girl squirters minor bickers uh, I alluded to this earlier, but I would have taken again, like a good day, sunshine outtake or some more. I want to tell you over the laughing versions of Andrew Burke can sing or the fast dry version of yellow submarine. You know, the one that was at 47.5 kilocycles or whatever. Like, I feel like I didn't need four yellow submarines. I could have done with less. Uh, do I have a mine? Yes. Okay. Here's my minor bicker. Why not throw in like a remixed yesterday and today where you'd get a couple of the help songs remixed. You'd get a couple of the rubber soul songs remixed. You'd get the U S specific. I'm only sleeping mono, maybe even a remix duophonic.
that's why like yesterday and today might have been fun for two reasons. It would have been a great teaser for the Help and Rubber Soul remixes to come. And people might say, well, why buy it twice? To that, I would say Beatles 1 in 2015 had remixed Paperback Writer, uh, Rain, remix Eleanor Rigby, remix Yellow Submarine. So it's been done as recently as seven years ago, people. It could have been cool to give like some kind of cool American thing, especially given how much that album was discussed, including the specific mixes for yesterday and today in this box set, Tony. Yeah, I agree with you that the, uh, the the U.S. catalog receives no love and is now, yeah, it's scuttled about. It's buried in the basement under a bunch of shit, you know? Well, plus, quickly, Yesterday and Today was the only Capitol-specific album that was never preserved digitally when they did the Capitol Years box sets in 04 and 06. It only went up through Revolver. So uh, Hard Day's Night and Yesterday and Today are the only ones that don't exist on CD somewhere in their original 60s Capitol mixes. This might have been an opportunity to remedy that. Well, I will say this, man. The AI, the demixing stuff, the Emile de la Rey technology, I think it's great in the right hands. I think it's great in Giles Martin's hands. And Sam O'Kell, by the way, who also never also gets mentioned. Sam O'Kell. Hats off to you, buddy. Uh, uh, who's your dad, Sam? Not George <laughs> Martin? Sit down! <laughs> so for the most part, I think it's enhancing the original vision of the artist's. But I do think, like, in the wrong hands, this could go bad. You know what I mean? If, if we all start having this technology, it's like, oh, well, here's my mix because I want to hear more tambourine or whatever it is. To me, it's like it's like you're going up to the Mona Lisa or whatever, and you're just like, oh, let me touch that smile up. Let's make her smile. Come on. We need happy things now. You know, art should be imperfect. Looking forward, it sounds like we're, going, we're getting into rubber soul. I mean, we're going to be going backwards through the catalog, right? So in five years... Are we going to hear She Loves You, you know, with that edit in it, like smoothed over, you know, is, is, and, and what is that? What is, I'm just asking. I'm not arguing. Ooh, just remix the second album, Duophonic. <laughs> True, <laughs> True <version>. Duophonic. <laughs> I agree with what you're saying, and I understand what you're saying. And that's why, Tony, I believe as long as every option exists... It's a good thing, and to package the original mono with this, I think is a testament to the fact, and Giles Martin said this forever, the mixes that his dad came up with, um, with the help of young Jeff Emmerich, the mixes he came up with were brilliant, and they were great for their time, and they'll never go away, but to be able to hear these songs in a modern way now mixed by the sun of it it doesn't feel like a cash grab because it's not random person and a hundred years from now when we're long gone tony it may be random mixer uh you know random engineer doing this but right now it's the son of the man responsible for producing the beatles while 50 percent of the beatles are alive to vet it and promote it this started with beatles love and it was very controversial for a lot of fans. And it was Paul and Ringo who said, go further. I want more. Get weirder. Get crazier. If the Beatles are for it and the son of the man who produced the Beatles is for it, I'm cool with it, too. Well, hey, man, thanks for listening to this Instant Reaction Part 2. Uh... Oh, fuck, I left something out and we don't have to edit it back in. We can keep the interruption. <laughs> Tony, before we go, I left something out. The Questlove interview could be its own episode. <laughs> uh -huh. So Questlove, in his mentioning of Beatles covers, as we talked about Rockwell and Eddie Murphy. Thank you. 
Questlove mentions Earth, Wind, and Fire's got to get you into my life, and he never talks about the fact that it was in the Pepper movie. <laughs> yeah, everyone's trying to forget that, except the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which made it, made it part of George Martin's biography. George Martin is known for predominantly two things, producing the Pepper film and America. And also, Questlove promotes the use of mushrooms, which I've never done, but I agree with. And he mentions Phil Collins' cover of Tomorrow Never Knows. Yes, that was used as, as in the first Roots song sample. Uh, yeah, that was really wild to me. I want to hear that, actually. It's a, a Roots song called P.I.R., which stands for Partners in Rhyme. That was awesome, Tony. Now let's hear even more of Rockwell's obscene phone caller. Hello? Who is this? Thank you for listening. Feel free to like and subscribe. Smush the subscribe thing. Uh, Find us on, you know, write us a review if you can. We love all that stuff. Thank you, our producer, Casey Baker. Uh, we're going to take a break from Revolver coming up, I believe, as uh, episodes about George Fest. Of course, Ringo's Bad Boy. We've got to get to that eventually. And, uh... Obscene phone calls from the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm an obscene phone caller. Take off your shirt. My pants are off. What's that sound? Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe.